Jesus set about to test Philip. He wanted to see how Philip would react to the situation at hand. It was a test in every sense of the word. Who here likes tests? Oh, I have a hand. Okay. Okay, so there's one of you that likes tests. The rest of you are with me. We do not like tests. I do not like tests. As a young man, I really hated tests. My father sent me off to college with these words, I will give you enough rope to hang yourself with. (laughs) So horrible of a student was I in high school, though my mother insisted that I go to college, that, of course, Mom won, and Dad gave me those words of encouragement. But I knew I had to pull it together, so I did pass some tests in college. I volunteered for the tests in seminary. I remember one time a neighbor of mine when I was in seminary, and I lived in a home in uh, Oviedo, Florida at the time, and he said, I saw you pacing back in front of your window, you know, because we had a big window in front of our living room, which was at, you know, kind of in the front of the house there. We had turned it into an office, actually. And I was pacing back and forth, going, Erkomai, to go, to come. Erkomai, you remember that, don't you? Erkomai, to go, to come. Erkomai, to go, to come. I was memorizing the Greek verb for to go, to come. Right? I had to do 10 of those words, right? Okay. Every week, and then I ended up with, like, I don't know, after a few semesters, 400 of those words, which was 80% of the, the vocabulary of the New Testament. Thank goodness the New Testament uses a very limited vocabulary. Nobody likes tests. And yet, when we come up against tests, they show us something. They, they, they reveal to us something. Well, to us, of course, but they also reveal to our professors how well we know the material, right? But they reveal to us how far we've come along as well, how we've, how we've fared with the test. You know, it's remarkable, and of course, what I'm speaking of now is the tests that we receive as Christians, the spiritual tests. Or whether we are not, or whether we're going to gnash our teeth and wring our hands like this, or hold our hands in prayer like this, and the question is, is well, how will we handle that? But the you know the funny thing is, is that when these tests come, um, we oftentimes fail. That's not a bad thing, really. I mean, I'm not encouraging you to fail all your spiritual tests. But what do they do for us? Well, oftentimes, you're not tested in the same way ever again. Why? Because your failure in the test has taught you the spiritual lesson that it was determined to teach you, and you will never fail at that test again. And so God doesn't give it to you again. Because he knows that though you failed, you will pass again. There's no sense in it. We have these tests in life. No one ever learned anything by winning. And so, friends, when you fail at the spiritual test, take heart. Recover. Jesus loves you. Engird yourself for the next test. Chances are it will not be the same. Jesus talks about the kinds of tests that you'll receive in the Sermon on the Mount. What you will wear, what you will eat, what you will drink, where you will live. God knows that you need all these things. 
And God knows that you need to use the normal means provided to you to provide for all those things. Nevertheless, we are not to worry about those things. We are to fix our eyes on Jesus. Always and forever. I'm reminded of Peter, who took a test. Remember Peter? First to run, not the fastest, but first to run. First to walk in, first to speak, first to act. When he saw Jesus walking on the water, and they all thought he was a ghost, and he says, Lord, if you're not a ghost, command me to come out on the water. And what does he do? A glass with no water. That's no good. He walks out on that water, does he not? And then what happens? Oh, Peter. Don't you love him? There's something about him. I just love Peter. He just breaks my heart. He starts looking at the wind and the waves and the world around him and everything else except for Jesus. And he sinks. That's the point. When you're on the tossing waves of life and you face the test, whatever it is, and I mean, I, I can't list all the possible tests because they're individual. They're meant for you and you alone. I don't know what they are. I can only broad brush at what they are. But he looks at all that stuff and he sinks. He cries out, Lord, save me. And Jesus saves him. That was a good thing to say, right? In that moment, Lord, save me. At least Peter got that right. Peter did not drown. He got back to the boat. He's okay. You know, the, another observation is that, you know, there's what? Uh, 1.7 billion baptized Christians, I suppose, you know. You think it's the world, it's not. That's the narrow way. There's seven, over seven billion people on this planet. That's a narrow way. Just be baptized. How special is that? Everyone in here is baptized, I presume. How that is the narrow way. And yeah, I would guarantee you that the vast majority of them have no clue when they're being spiritually tested. Tests come and go and they fail or don't fail or fail or don't fail, whatever happens. They have no idea. I would encourage you to be sensitive in your own lives to the spiritual tests that you're confronted with. If you think to yourself, I don't remember the last time I was spiritually tested, that is a problem. That's a problem. You should be sensitive to the fact that you are spiritually tested because God loves you and he tests the one he loves. He loves Philip. He loves you. And what that means is that you will be tested. Open your eyes and your minds and your hearts to the fact that you will be tested. Are you being tested? What is that test? And how will you meet it? I want to leave you with a couple of verses. The first one is what to do 
when you're tested. The first thing to do when you're tested. Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations. I am exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. The first thing to do when you're being tested, when your soul is in turmoil, when you know that you have a choice to make, is be still. And know that God and your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, still sits on the throne this very day. We just said he ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father. Does he not? Absolutely he does. It means something. The creed means so. That's why we recite it every Sunday. Because it has meaning for us. He sits on the throne. He's in charge. The world is not. The storm is not. The noise is not. None of that is in charge. Jesus Christ is in charge. Who died for you. He's in charge. And the next thing is to remember this. Isaiah 41.10 Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and uphold you. I will, I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. Friends, whatever battle it is, whatever test it is, Jesus has already won the victory. You simply need to accept that, to rest in him, to walk in him, to live with him, to cast your eyes upon Jesus in the storm. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.